This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Wednesdale Radio. Football Blogging Award Finalists 2015. www.holradio.net Good evening, everyone. Uh, my name's Albert, and it's my great pleasure to welcome you to another special episode of Homestyle Radio. Uh, yesterday saw Palace utilise their superior away form to beat Southampton by two goals to one, thus beating them by a margin of one, and henceforth progressing through to the next round of the Cup. Uh, with me to go through how it unfolded, we have Lucy White. Evening. Evening. We have Tony Piers, finally. Evening, Homestyle Universe. And last but not least, we have Terence of redandbluearmy.co.uk Ford. Good evening. Good evening. They'll also be going over the latest nomination for our Ultimate 25-man squad, which will be revealed shortly. How we think we'll line up against Villa, and more importantly, who we fancy in the next round of the Cup. Play a jingle, Mikey. Hey, listen up. The transfer window's now open. Join us on Monday the 1st of February from 8pm for our transfer special. You will listen. Capiche? Who the hell is this Poitrick O'Quana guy? Where the old Poitrick O'Quana? I sound nothing like him. Fucking Brits. Every picture tells a story. Keep up to date with ours on Instagram at Homestale Radio. What a jingle that is. It's the first time I've heard that. It's amazing. <laughs> um, who is that guy? We should get him on more. Anyway, um, how are we all? Everybody okay? Good. Yes. So I'm going to just lay it out there, okay? I didn't see the game yesterday, all right? I spent the day in Northampton. That wasn't, hey. that wasn't like an error. I didn't get confused. They got a good 2-2 draw, didn't they? They did. Yes. And <laughs> local derby, sort of. Um, but Terence, you went down there? Yes, I did. That's not... No, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and Lucy, you were there as well. I was. Um, Tony, you weren't there, were you? I was not. No, I spent I spent it trying to get out of the car park at Pearly Way and spent nearly an hour and a half doing it. Sweet. Well, we'll hear more about that later. Um, <laughs> first off, um, we have to, as always, we, you know, we're still chipping away at our 25-man squad, ultimate 25-man squad, I should add. Uh, this week, the player that we're looking to potentially in or bin is some fella called Don Rogers, who 
you know, big part of our history, certainly with the uh, elder generations, but it's definitely somewhat of a, a palace legend. So if you think um, you've got any comments to make on Don Rogers, and if you want to in or bin him, please go to uh, wholeradio.net forward slash vote to vote. Um, obviously, you've just heard a jingle for our uh, our transfer deadline special. That's going to be good. Um, you know, if you've got any uh, opinions on who you think we should be going for, um, yeah, please get in touch with the show. Um, but first, let's get into the Southampton game. And I think we've got a clip from the aforementioned Patrick O'Quana. I can't really do the accent as good as that guy. That's why I don't get paid to do jingles. Um, so let's hear that and go from there. It's amazing what a difference a week makes. Last Sunday, I was at Sellers Park in the rain to see a terrible loss to Chelsea yesterday. Palace did great to beat the Saints away. Hopefully beginning of an important cup run. Come on, you Palace. Patrick from New York. Patrick O'Connor. <laughs> yeah, that guy. Patrick from the U. I think he said New York, and it just faded off just ever, ever a bit too soon there. Mikey sort it out. Um, <laughs> so let's, let's, let's go from the top, as always. Let's go with the lineup. Um, it was uh, quite a familiar lineup. Um, I mean, it was full of Palace players. It's going to be familiar. Um, <laughs> but I know there was definitely a bit of surprise. I mean, we were sort of. You know, me and me and Milo were sort of questioning whether Speroni might get a going goal. Uh, you know, Johnny Williams made an appearance for Chelsea. Some people thought he might start the game, um, but there wasn't really much of a of any sort of changes. Kabai obviously came back. That was nice to see. And um, was anybody else surprised that we put out such a strong team? Uh, let's go with you, Tony. No, I wasn't surprised. I think Pardew's made it quite clear that he sees the FA Cup as something that we could potentially go for. I think the team is pretty strong and I think this year is interesting because you look at other teams, I mean Manchester United seem to be taking it seriously for once, they put out a very strong team, um, as did City. Um, it's, it's, it seems like everyone is taking this year's FA Cup quite seriously and I think maybe if you look at the league and it's so unpredictable, maybe they're thinking, well, we can't predict anything in the league so let's, let's go for a cup competition. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, I, I definitely didn't expect to see Hennessy in goal. I thought, I thought, or even McCarthy might get a go. Um, Terence, you're the, um, you know, you're our go-to goalkeeping guy. What, what, was your, what were your thoughts? Did you want to see Speroni get a run out or, or McCarthy? I always want to see Speroni get a run out, and um, <laughs> preferably naked, and and see McCarthy get a run out at a club. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> you want to see Speroni chasing McCarthy out of the club <laughs> with a big stick? Maybe no, definitely not. Um, yeah, I was. I thought we'd see a slightly weakened lineup, um, but I think it would have been very different if we'd beaten Chelsea last week. If we'd have beaten Chelsea last week, I think it would have been a slightly weaker lineup. But he obviously wanted to bounce back from that result, so um, it was probably a good job that Hennessy did play because he had a blinder. So that's fair enough, Lucy. How about you? What are your thoughts on the lineup? Um, yeah, me where everyone else really was um, pleasantly surprised that it was quite quite a strong lineup. Uh, the only one I was a bit shocked about was well, two sorry, was the switches of Ledley and James MacArthur, and that Jordan Murch started. So, but seemed to work. So MacArthur wasn't on the bench. Now I haven't seen any explanation for that. Do we know was it injured? Was it just he had such a you know, in his words, he had a really bad game against Chelsea. Didn't really know why he wasn't even on the bench. Could just be fatigue. Yeah. He hasn't yeah. missed a match this year, has he? Mm. 
it was definitely just a rest thing. I think he needed a bit of a break. He's looked he's looked a bit fatigued in the last few games, so there's nothing wrong with giving him just a little a little week off. <clears throat> no, not at all. Do you think he'll be back Tuesday? Definitely. Yeah. Fair enough, Tony. Yes. You wanted to I, say something? Well, I, I just echo what I, what I actually said earlier. Is that it's, it's fatigue. I think if you look, Kabai obviously had a, um, a game off, so he's brought him back in just to keep it keep it going, keep the role going. Uh, Ledley from McArthur, as I said, probably fatigue, but he wants to keep keep the momentum going. You know, we had a bad result against Chelsea. We didn't play well either, so it was a chance for the players to sort of come back and say, "Look, we are still a good team. It was just a bad day at the office." You know, Punchin needs to play himself into form. Uh, we know he's good this side of January, so hopefully Pardew is thinking we'll let him play himself in because he hasn't had a good couple of games and proved himself in this game. So. Hopefully, this is the beginning of, you know, that was a bit of a blip against Chelsea. We had the same team against Southampton pretty much and then move on. The one that I was interested in, which you mentioned, was was Lee for much. Because I can't explain that one. Um, sure. I, I I think he much has got to get, got to prove himself at some point. And we needed someone to play centrally, really, because... He wanted to obviously play punching out wide left and Zaha wide right, which is how we started. But after 20 minutes of Southampton running over us, he um, he realised that much was useless and shunted him kind of out, kind of like wide left, but sort of a le- more of a left midfield role. But kind of tucked him more central to make up an extra man in midfield, and then we started to perform really well. Um, but much was kind of just obviously playing his time out until half time and then that was when he was hauled off because he was crap <laughs> very nicely put uh, just at, this juncture, at, at this juncture we have to mention the uh, the Harmsdale chat rooms if, if you want to get involved Lucy's in there manning it she's going to pass on all your feedback and witty retorts um, if you go to wholeradio.net for this chat she's in there waiting is there anything in there of note now Lucy no not really um, just chatting about why MacArthur wasn't involved pretty much saying what we said that he was just being rested so um, if you want to come to the chat room and see what's going on guys I'm I'm waiting to see what you've got to say Fair enough um, did any, did any, Was anybody I mean we've already mentioned Williams a little bit what, was he, why was he not on the bench was anybody upset not to see him get another, even get another 20 minutes Yeah um, well as I've said much is crap Johnny Williams is twice the player he is even though he's only half the height. But. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's difficult because I, I, I said it um, last week in my, in my little 21-second clip that it's, it's nice to see him back, but we've, we've unfortunately we've, we've progressed as a club so far that I don't, I don't think Johnny's going to get in the team anytime soon. I mean, you look at our central midfield, we've got Punchin, we've got Kabai, we've got MacArthur. And then we've got Jedi and we've got Ledley to come in if we need to. Much and Lee can potentially play that role. And um, Although Pardew has said we're not going for any defenders or midfielders, in the summer I wouldn't be surprised if we go for another midfielder in the summer. And therefore, Johnny is going to get more and more down the, down the pecking order. And I feel bad. You know, he's a homegrown player. We'll love him for you know, the player he was. But we, the club have you know, moved on. And I can't see him getting into the squad anytime soon, to be totally I honest. I don't know. I feel like he suits our new style of play more than a Ledley does or a Jednak does. Um, he, he's someone who can get on the ball. He's very comfortable in possession, which is exactly what you need to play because we're trying to play possession football. So I think this is a really good chance to prove himself. And the first time to really 
get in there and prove himself in the Premier League because he seems to be maintaining some fitness now, which he hasn't been able to do for a long time in his career, really since that injury in, what was it, 2011 when he got injured? Since Broke his then, leg, yeah. Yeah, since then he's rarely, rarely had a sustained period of fitness. So I've, I've still got my fingers crossed for him. I really hope that he can develop into the player we all thought that he could before he got injured. And um, I think this, this setup could suit him, but it's, gonna be, it's not going to be easy for him by any means. But Terence, when do you put him in? Because you can't risk him in a Premier League match at the moment because we're still firing well on there. And if Pardew is serious about going for a cup run, he's going to play continually play a strong team. So he's not he's not going to get in over the midfield that we've got at the moment. Jordan Much still gets playing time. That is true. I'll give you that. All right, sod that. Much out. <laughs> Williams in. Exactly. <laughs> Lucy. Um, controversially, I quite like Much. Um, and I do think he's got something to prove. Um, Is that looking or playing? Playing? (laughs) I'm not a typical girl, Tony. (laughs) Apart from (laughs) when it comes to Damo. Um, Or Kabai. Or Wickham. um, Cool Eagle 89 (laughs) said... She just just washed over that. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, No, Cool Eagle 89 has said, much is a real disappointment. Um, At the minute, yeah, he is, but... I think he has got something to prove, and I don't think he was as bad as Terran makes out yesterday. Yeah, towards the end where he got subbed off. Yeah, he was he was flagging, which is why I think he's better coming on as a sub. Um, but yeah, I I just wanted to be a little bit controversial and well, look, say Lisa, that I'm uh, I'm pro much. I'll, I'll disagree with you on the grounds that he just. In the middle of the park, when he was in the middle of the park, they run all over us. And you saw, um, if anyone's seen on the Southampton YouTube channel, they have extended highlights from the game yesterday for 13 minutes worth of highlights. And the first five minutes of that is the first 20 minutes of the game where and it's just Southampton chance, Southampton chance, Southampton chance. As soon as he was moved out left, and Punchin was put into the middle, and we actually competed with them in the middle of the park. We stopped them getting balls through to Shane Long into the little channels down the side and so on, and we started to look a lot more comfortable. And then it was different in the second half because when we took much off because they switched to a more 4-4-2 formation, and it changed it up a lot compared to the 5-3-2 that they were playing in the first half, so it was very different. But much was invisible and struggling and looking lost. He just looks lost whenever he's on a football field to me, so I don't know how many more chances we can give him. Shane Long, let's talk about him. He's a prick, isn't he? Um, <laughs> as already mentioned, the, the first, I think the first five minutes, Southampton could have been like at least a couple of goals up. Um, anybody, anybody? I mean, we have a habitual, I don't know about you, my um, certain part of my body tightens up every time Shane Long gets the ball anywhere near our, our penalty box because you're just you know, adam, living in adamant fear that he's going to take a tumble. Um, he uh, he had a really good chance early on. Um, do we think that that maybe was a, a sort of a wake up call for us to maybe make that change that you described, Terence? Um, Shane Shane Long must. I was saying this the other day. Shane Long must hate Wayne Hennessy because all he does is stop him from scoring all the time. <laughs> I know that's I know that's his job, and it's an obvious thing to say. But in both games now this season, he's done really really well to deny him. Um, but as yeah, as I say, is the Southampton midfield were getting a lot of dangerous-looking balls into him, and if it wasn't for the wet surface, I think we could have been in trouble a couple of times because it just skips beyond him and outrun his exceptional pace, especially when he's up against Dan and Delaney, who are not the fastest people in the world. Did you think that it seemed, it seemed to me listening to the, the radio commentary at the time that, 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 that there was some odd defending going on, and there, it didn't seem like we were settled? 
which yeah, sort of, yeah, you'd no, expect no, no. if we'd have put a you know if we'd have put a, a reserve team out or, or mixed up even a little bit, but it seemed to be you know our, our, our first choice back four seemed to be struggling. Yeah, it was really weird. It, for the first in the first twenty minutes again, it was there were gaps in our back four which I'm not really used to seeing. Our black, back four are usually pretty solid and understand each other and know what they're doing, but there was there, there were gaps appearing in really. Uh, I've just not seen since basically before Pulis was our manager, and it was um, it was very very strange to see. I don't I don't know how much that had to do with much, but um, Shane Long obviously runs uh, the forward line quite well, and Mane's got a lot of pace, so maybe it was just a time to acclimatise to their pace, and once they got used to it, they looked a lot more comfortable. Fair enough, Lucy. Uh, yeah, I was um, picking up what Terence said that. Um, Making notes during the game, I was I was stood with uh, Steve Brown, formerly of Whole Radio, and we were saying that they just didn't look like a team. They were all individuals. They seemed to be um, leaving Wilf on his own, and there was just no urgency with them. And they weren't pushing forward enough. It was just Southampton had the ball. I mean, they had a couple of chances, but really they didn't actually do much with it. And I just thought that you know Long and Davis as we said, we're just causing problems. And at that point, I was thinking, oh, here we go. This is going to be a long afternoon. But after 20 minutes, suddenly just things sort of changed and we we just suddenly looked a different side. That's fair enough. What, what do you think the, uh, what would you put, put that down to? Is it the, is it the change between punch and a much or is it just, was it just a general wake-up call across the team? Probably a bit, bit 50-50, really. Um, you know, I think that, Yes, changing positions obviously helps. Well, sometimes it doesn't help, but in this instance, yes, it helped. But I just think they thought, hang on a minute, like these guys are running ring round us. We're better than this, and they they proved that they were better than them. Yeah, the 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 goal certainly seemed to come against the run of play, and um, what a great goal! I mean, we've you know we've been saying it, we've been saying it for weeks that come January, Jason Punchins normally turns up and what you know great great work from punching in my opinion to to just cause a bit of chaos in the box and wrong foot a defender and and Joe Ward if you, there's a great angle of the goal where it's sort of looking back down the pitch you just see him very casually start jogging on the halfway line and next thing you know he's he's smashing it in on the end of the punch and cross fantastic goal wasn't it definitely it was yeah and I think especially, you... especially sweet being ex Portsmouth I, I can imagine <laughs> Did you notice as well that it came from a mistake from Southampton? It was a it was a pass. Uh, one of their midfielders passed it back to I think it was Font actually, and he's and he's missed it, and then Punch has just leapt on it basically, and then gone on that run. It's the sort of, it was the sort of pass that Jason Punchin has been making for us for the last few games. Ah, <laughs> uh, the irony. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Do you know what it was? It was a build up that we we forced that mistake over the period of about ten minutes. We, when Puncher moved into the middle, we started to get on the ball a bit more. We kept the ball for ages. And it was quite funny just hearing like Palace fans were moaning because we weren't getting the ball forward quick enough. But we were completing so many passes and ended up going from Southampton running us over to having more possession in them in the first half. And when we wasn't on the ball, we become really tenacious in the middle. Puncher was getting around them really, really well. And then that sort of inspired Ledley and Kabaya to get into the game a bit more. And we were pressing and pressing and pressing every time we didn't have the ball. And eventually it led to that mistake because they knew they didn't have that long on the ball to think about the pass. And the pass was awful. And it went, and 
you know, Punchin's done very, very well. My only criticism would of Punchin would be is that he should have crossed it right footed to Campbell, but I don't know whether it was a combination of it was on his right foot and it was Fraser Campbell in the middle that he didn't cross it. But um, <laughs> I thought when he'd cut back, the chance had gone. Uh, but thankfully, Joel Ward came out of nowhere and scored again against Southampton. That's the second time he scored against them. He loves it. Not for us, I may add. He did score for Portsmouth against them. <laughs> I just thought um, Punchin's um, stepping over the ball to cross it. I just it, it just looked like Punchin again. This Punchin that we've been waiting to see, as Tony said, the... The punching that appears in January has finally come back and it was just brilliant to see the whole game. Well, let's not go ahead of ourselves. Let's wait and see if he does it against Aston Villa as well. Uh, he's, 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 he's guaranteed to bag against Aston Villa. He loves a goal against Aston Villa. He's going to do it. I'm so glad I took him out of my dream team early in the season. <laughs> what do we think? What did Kabai bring back to the team? Was it good to see him back, Terence? He's, he's our best player. I mean... <laughs> It's, um, you look at the, t- the times we've failed to score in games, uh, often it's been because he hasn't been playing. Um, a lot of people think it's down to Balassi and Wickham, and in an, in an element it is. But Kabai is vital to everything we do in terms of just calmly doing everything in the midfield and picking the right passes so often and getting our attacking goes our attacks under underway which we struggle to do and it, it doesn't surprise me that he comes back into the team and we score two goals well, I think look, I think looking at it I agree with you I think what Kabai does you mentioned about Wickham and Balassi as well what Kabai does is he makes the team tick but with the addition of Balassi and Wickham it gives us that like killer edge when we're going forwards I think what we lack when we don't have Wickham and Balassi is, as I said, Killer Edge, you know, we actually look like an attacking unit. But without Kabai, the team doesn't tick. And yeah. I think that was what made the big difference against Chelsea. Because I think against Chelsea, you saw the first 20 minutes, we looked OK uh, without actually doing a lot. But I think if we'd had Kabai, I don't necessarily think we would have gone on perhaps and won the match, or but we would have at least looked a lot tighter. And I think yeah. that's, that's what Kabai brings to us. Well, as I've said it so many times in the past, Kabaya is world class and his positioning and movement drags the rest of the midfields level up around him and make them better players. And just having him in there just gives the midfield a lot better shape. I mean, Balassi and Wickham serve as better tools for him to pass to. But as we all know, Punchin and Zaha are no slouches in doing what they can do. So... Um, you know him getting back in, and as you say, good good way to put it, making the team tick allows us to get forward and um, score some goals, which is nice. Yeah, it's good to see Lucy in the chat room. Is it all kicking off yet? Um, well, it's a bit quiet in there tonight. Um, if you want to join us, guys, it's uh, wholeradio.net forward slash chat. Um, Booted Eagle has said, Punch back, Xmas decorations must have gone. And uh, Coach Matt has said, about time Punch had a good performance. He was shocking two games before. And then there's a question here for you, Tony, from Palace Forever. Uh, Are you now going to put Punch back in your dream team? It's the new year. Now it's the new year. Uh, Short answer, no. I've got Kabai, Mares, Barkley and Ozil, and I can't see Punch getting in over them at the moment. Sounds like everyone's midfield on Premier League. <laughs> yeah. That's the problem the with this dream team, I tell you. It's the absolute problem. I'm just getting the same points as everyone else. Yeah. At least you're getting points. Well, there you go. You should put punching in. Get points where no one else is. That's the secret. 
or lose the points that everyone else is getting because I've taken him out and Ozil gets another five assists in this match. You're such a glass half empty person, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> well, well. Let's back to the game then. So shortly after, shortly after we have a great chance. Scott Dan crops up on the end of a uh, end of a corner, and in my opinion, should do a lot better there because you know, and that's not me saying he's you know he's. He, He's, um, you know, just you're just used to seeing him. You know, you expect that from him because it's a great, it's a great chance. And and when Dan gets a gets a header from a set piece, nine times out of ten, it's at least on target. Um, do you think he should have done better there, Tony? Uh, I do think he should have done better. But it's interesting. I've watched the replay a couple of times, and I can see why potentially it's gone a bit wrong for him. When you when you look, he's he's directly in front of the goalkeeper. And if you think back to what uh, happened with Bamford, where he was directly in the middle of the goal, and let's not it, think about that. <laughs> well, he struck it. He struck it straight at the goalkeeper. And you can see Dan when he's running in. He's looking. He knows the goal where the goalkeeper is. So he knows he's got to put it either side of him. And he's he's gonna he's gonna struggle to bring it back across the goalkeeper. So he's thinking I can glance it. And you can see he's gone for that. But unfortunately, because the weather conditions were terrible, from what I saw, it skidded off his head instead of going into that bottom corner. So that's the only reason why I can think why it's missed because nine times out of ten, as we've seen in the past, he'll put that away. Yeah, Fair I would have, I would have um, put my mortgage that I don't have on him to score there, for sure. He, um, it was, I think there is an element of the conditions, but I'm a big fan of just hitting the target, and we don't do that often enough. And um, I think a good example of just what can happen when you hit the target. I can give two examples. One from Last season, Glenn Murray at Upton Park, where he just put a tame header goalwards and Cresswell slashed it into his own net. And in yesterday's game, Punchon just having a pop shot at goal, goalkeeper spills it back into play and there's someone to follow it up and put it back in the net. So for me there, in the, in, in the way the six-yard box is sort of set up, just hammer the header goalwards and anything can happen. I agree with you there, Terence, but I think the problem you've got is that going back to what you said, he's he's looking to put it either in either side of the goalkeeper. If he puts it directly at the goalkeeper, which is a inverted commas shot on target, he still hasn't scored a goal, and it's no difference from glancing it wide. Yeah, but it's wet. He might drop it. He might do a McCarthy. No, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Terence, you're such a card. You're such a glass half empty person, Terence. <laughs> <laughs> Only when it comes to no, I, I feel better. I don't. I genuinely don't. I don't know why I've ended up like dogging on him so much. I, I quite like him. <laughs> <laughs> that came that exciting out exciting to your weekend? Uh, it's never that exciting. <laughs> Mike, he's going to have to clip that. <laughs> Definitely. Um, send it to me so I can listen to it again. Um, <laughs> so we, we get to, we get to half-time. Um, Saints make a couple of changes. They obviously weren't happy with how it was going. They uh, changed personnel, changed, changed formation. Um, and then he had to wait sort of five or six minutes for it to pay off. Um, again, as, as Terence is a perfect example of what Terence has said, it's a, it's a shot on target. I think Hennessy does really well to make the initial save. And we all agreed it's, he's just unlucky with it. It's, it's, it's fallen to a Saints player to smash in. Yep. That's, there's nothing you can really do there. I think it's a good save. Yeah, agreed. Lucy, say something different just to be different. Well... When I watched it back, I did think, oh, uh, Hennessy could have done better there. He could have caught the ball. But I've watched it a few times now, and actually it was a really good save. He kind of just booted it out of the way. But unfortunately, it just went to the the feet of a Southampton player, and they got it in the goal. So I just think it, I think it was a good save, and it was very unfortunate where it landed. I mean, this is this is for this is for Lucy and Terence, really. Did you feel when that goes in? Did you feel sort of the worm was turning, and we were then going to 
you know, the game was going to fall away from us or did, did we sort of respond well? How do we respond to that goal? Um, uh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> I don't know. Do, do you remember when you're, at, when you're at games, you just get feelings that things are going to work out all right? I don't no, know. If, never. <laughs> no. for, for me, I think, I don't know, I guess it comes with just watching so many live games of football. Uh, I, I tend to trust my instincts on I, I can feel how a game's going to play out. And if I feel nervous and fidgety, I know we're under the cosh. But if I feel relaxed, I know that we're all right and we're in the game. Are um, you a Palace fan by any chance? You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I, I, I don't know. But I've learned to trust my instincts in that sense. And I just felt I felt OK with the way the game was going. I thought um, it was a case of, you know, the balls that they've got a bit lucky. Um, Hennessy's made a good save. He was looking like he was in good form. So they was going to struggle to score past him. And, um, yeah, I, I, I thought I didn't think we were out of the game. And then you factor in things work out weirdly in football. Um, we drew Southampton in the FA Cup last season and beat them 3-2. And at that time, Southampton were in really good nick and had barely conceded a goal at home and we went there and stuck three past them and sometimes in football you just get little flows like that for a few seasons where you know you just become a team's bogey team and it happens to us enough that we, we just come up against certain teams that we can't beat uh, Sunderland for example you know two seasons running now they've come to us and they're rubbish and they've managed to turn us over both times so it just happens in that sense so I always thought that we'd, we were still in the game when they scored Lucy well, prior to the game, I was convinced we were going to lose. Um, and, um, there you go. That's so, more like, like it. <laughs> hey. And I'd actually spoken to a Southampton fan, um, and he, he was convinced that we were going to smash them. And that, um, when they equalised, obviously, it was, it's a, you think, oh, for God's sake. And I, I have to say, there was great banter with the fans um, during the game because. Um, uh, when they scored, they were sort of like jeering us and uh, like we were jeering them when we scored first. But I didn't feel, oh God, this is it, we're going to lose. It was just because we kept the pace going and we didn't seem to flag like we sometimes do. We just kept the momentum going. There was still quite a bit of positivity. It, was, it, was, it wasn't the... Um, it wasn't like kind of, oh, the, the nail in the coffin, that's it, we're going to lose, that's it. Something tells me that a few minutes after the goal, Terence's positivity went rocketing because it saw the introduction of Sacco coming on in place of much. Um, did that, how, how did that sort of have an impact on the team? Because we've been missing Sacco, in my opinion, if only from, a bench, from the bench for an extra set of legs, uh, especially when we haven't got Balassi. Terence, were you pleased to see him back? Yes. Um, well, just anyone in place of much. I think I, w I would have preferred Adam Pardew or Keith Millen to come on and slot into centre mid alongside Brian Ledley. Um, Sacco just got really busy really quickly and probably a bit too quickly because he sort of got a bit leggy in the last 10 minutes, even though he was only on the pitch for a short amount of time. But his initial impact was really good. He just added that extra bit of pace and just got amongst Southampton and um, it unsettled them and stopped them from, you know, the early domination again that they had at the start of the second half. It um, And it dragged us back into the game. Lucy on Sacco, not literally. <laughs> um, yes, just uh, stuff in the chat room. Coach Matt said Sacco made a huge difference. Physicality, energy and his left foot. Um, yeah, when he came on, he was... You could see how um, hungry he was to, to make a difference. 
and he really did. Um, he um, some of the crosses he made were really good. The only thing that really annoyed me about him was towards the end, and I've just got to refer to my notes. Sorry, it was like the ninety fourth minute or something. So um, Punch had the ball, and he went to sort of cross, like pass it to him, and he just stopped moving. And I was, it was, he just looked so lazy, like he just couldn't be bothered. And at that point, you could have thought, oh, he could have nicked the ball, punching could have moved up a bit, Saka could have crossed it over, and punch maybe could have scored. But he was that, knackered, I think. You got a better, you bear in mind, yeah. he hasn't played for a long time, and he'd, he'd run his socks off, I think, for the first 15, 20 minutes that he'd come on. That's what I said, it was a bit too easy. Remember how, how Balassi used to be when he used to, he could he couldn't manage his energy levels. He'd like run around like a school kid in a playground for seventy minutes and then be knackered for the last twenty. I think um, Sacco just thought he was a bit fitter than he actually is at the moment and tired himself out because he did it again with uh, Zaha broke away, beat the player inside and sort of reverse passed it back out to the flank, assuming that Sacco would have continued with his overlap. But Sacco was blowing out of his ass like ten yards further back down the field. So now there's an image. Yeah, it just yeah, I I, I agree. It just looked like it, the way his stance was. He just looked like a bit bothered, and I just thought that that just annoyed me a little bit. But no, I completely agree. He was he was absolutely knackered. I was going to say something else then, but I stopped myself. Fair enough. Um, other changes, you know, not, not long after Shamat came on for Campbell. I want to talk about Campbell because I wasn't on the uh, the post Chelsea program. Now it seemed to me that Campbell sort of split opinion during the Chelsea game. I thought he did all right. There was a couple of chances he should have done better with, but I thought his work rate was outstanding against Chelsea. And I know you can say, "Oh, anyone can run around," but he, he really seemed to be getting back and getting stuck in, knowing that he's almost fighting a losing battle. In my opinion, um, how did he do yesterday, Lucy? I was actually pleasantly surprised with Campbell. Um, it's the best I've seen him play, I have to say. Um, he actually kept the ball in play to pass to Punchin for Punchin to have his shot for then Wilf to score. Um, and I actually, where I was stood, I actually thought the ball went off, but whatever. He kept the ball in. And yeah, I thought he, he put in a good shift yesterday. And I'm hoping that this might be another sort of punching situation. It's January, turning point. We might see a bit more from him now. Um, obviously, this is Campbell we're talking about and we have slated him in previous shows and on Twitter and what have you. But yesterday, it was the first time where I thought, do you know what, he's actually playing some decent football. Um, he's not amazing. He wouldn't be first choice, but I saw a definite improvement yesterday and it was quite positive to see. You'd like to think that if he's going to get a goal against Villa on Tuesday, it's going to be then, right? Yes. He won't be Absolutely. on the pitch. Yeah, Connor Wickham will be back. Is he Ooh. back for Tuesday? Yes. Yeah. Fit enough to start? Yep. All right, fair enough. Yeah, he's, he he, he's not had an injury that's really you know, had him off his feet, Wickham, so his fitness has remained a bit, will, will still be there, so he'll be all right. Um, Campbell is... When he first came, I don't think the energy levels were quite there. I, I assume Pulis probably had a word with him at some point, and then his energy levels were there. And his endeavour to run around and chase the ball is always good, but and he's, he's in a place at the moment where he's not getting great service and so on, so he's not really even getting chances to score goals. Um, I mean, he had that one against Chelsea at the back pit, at the back post, which he missed. 
did you, I said back piss there. I did um, a Mark Lawrenson on Match of the Day last night when he said penis instead of penar. <laughs> oh, I thought it was more um, the, the, the Arthur Bostrom, the, the policeman from Hello, Hello. <laughs> did you not see Mark Lawrenson on Match of the oh, Day? Oh, no, I saw that, but you yeah. back pissed. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah so I, but you need more especially again talking like i did last week we're a team with european aspirations now we need more than someone who can just work hard and um you know if that was the case and wanted someone who worked hard we should have just kept cameron drone because he was better at it than fraser campbell is we need someone who can stick the ball in the back of the net and um obviously that's what we signed wickham for and he just needs a run of games when he doesn't bloody get injured after just when he starts to look like he's getting somewhere. But um, Campbell did well yesterday. He did really well. He did a lot of running, a lot of running. And as Lucy said, he did really well to recycle the play before, uh, just before the goal to feed punching in. So um, credit where it's due, he, he had a decent game yesterday. Lucy, is there any uh, feedback on Campbell from our esteemed listenership in the chat room? Yes, Booted Eagle has said Campbell did put in a shift, but think he will be down the pecking order even more by the end of this month. Reckon he has one foot out the door. Nice, um, Tony. Any thoughts on Campbell? Well, I just echo what Terence said. I was I was going to say it myself. He he's he's another Cameron Jerome. Lots of energy, can do the right stuff in terms of footballing, but he's not going to score you many goals. Um, and he doesn't create as much as Wickham does. I know Wickham doesn't score a lot of goals either, but Wickham, you can see there's something in him. And, you know, the right service may be, but he definitely makes things tick around him, which is why we haven't, you know, the stat is still unbelievable. And they still talk about it on the TV, the fact that we have not had a striker score in open play this year. Uh, and I just think I, I agree with the comment that was made. I, th- I think potentially he is down the pecking order. I mean, Campbell... Campbell is definitely below Wickham. He's above Shamak at the moment, but Shamak's, Shamak's a, a conundrum on, its, on itself. No. So. Whoa, sh- I sh- say- You're a conundrum. <laughs> <laughs> no. well, I was going to say, the thing with Shamak, Shamak, I think, is not the player since he's been injured. So I, I don't know, but he hasn't had a run of games yet. He's only just come back from injury, so we'll wait and see. But Campbell, Campbell is either second or third. And if we bring in another striker in January, which it definitely seems on the cards from what Pardew has said, then, then Campbell's going to go even further down the pecking order. Terence, educate Tony. Go. <laughs> well, um, yeah, I would agree what he said to said that Shamak has not looked great since he come back from injury. But yesterday, he definitely started to look more like his old self. Um, he, Shamak frustrated me a lot in his last couple of appearances in terms of he kept pulling out wide, which was really, really bizarre. But then you've got to remember, he hasn't really played centre forward for us for quite some time. When he was actually in fit and in the team, he was playing more in that 10 role, which, you know, now is... He's kind of going to struggle to get in there probably because everyone wants to flick around there between, you know, Balassi being in there, Punch being in there, Zaha being in there. Kabaya then seems to be the next choice to stick in there. Um, but yeah, he looks a lot better yesterday. Why didn't you say Jordan harder. much? Uh, <laughs> Here's another simple question Campbell or Gale? Oh, Dwight Gale every day of the week. But um, I, don't, I don't think that. Um, Campbell is, no one wants to buy him um, because his wage demands are too big to then add a transfer fee to. So I think it will just be a case of Campbell will be here until his contract runs down. And I feel I feel bad for Campbell, um, although Tony did say that he was exactly like Jerome. I think he's a poor man's Jerome and no one wants to be that. But, <laughs> but would um, you have said that last season? Yeah. I know Jerome's. I know Jerome's firing on, and he's doing well at the moment with Norwich, but Jerome was in the championship last year. So. Yeah, but... 
I, we, I, it, I thought it was very bizarre that we let Jerome go, really, especially when we did bring in Campbell. I was, initially, I was kind of excited about Campbell, thinking, you know, he's always been someone who's sort of teetering on the edge of, of perhaps doing something. But Jerome was on loan, though, wasn't he? Yeah, Jerome was on loan, but we could have certainly bought him, bought him in permanently if we wanted to. Like the, the, the deal was on the table if we wanted it, but um, Pulis didn't want him. So, um, well... You know, it's almost like Pulis had come out and the, they'd had a falling out before that, almost, isn't it? Mm, yeah, I, I, I don't know what happened because I, I, I liked what Jerome did. Um, obviously, he had to drop a level to score some goals and again, he's not really scoring now. He's back in the Premier League. But, um, you know, I just feel like Campbell, Campbell's hardly scored any goals either. And to um, if you're comparing what they do aside from scoring goals, I just felt like Jerome did a lot more. But, you know, what I will say about Campbell is... Barely played any games, but he has been supremely committed to the calls. I've I've pointed this out a couple of times before. Like if when we score goals and you see the camera go to the bench to show like Pardew, you look in the background and Campbell's loving it, like he's celebrating the goal, like he's a fan. So you know, fair play to Campbell. He's he's he's. I don't think that he's not putting in the effort. I just think his ability is limited. No, I think I think that um, sums up nicely. Um, Lucy, is there any um, any more feedback on maybe you got an answer from the Campbell Gale scenario that someone presented earlier? Yes, uh, Boo says to you, Tony, Gale every time. Silly question. Um, Coach Matt talking about Campbell. Let him go, like Aaron Wilbrahamovich. Can never say that. Uh, he's found his right level now. Um, and Coach Matt goes on to say, oh, Gale just needs to get back fit from injury. His height isn't an issue anymore. He leaps like a salmon now. Interesting. I just want um, to clarify, I'm not trying to say that Campbell and Gale are on the same level. I'm just trying to show, in terms of pecking order, how far down Campbell actually is in terms of our strikers. So I'm agreeing with what Booted Eagle says earlier about he's probably got one foot out the door but unfortunately as Terence quite rightly said who's who's going to buy him because his wage demands are far too high for a championship club but that you know unfortunately that probably is his level upper championship lower premier league and we've gone beyond that now we certainly have um let's talk about a, a definite moment of quality our second goal um i'm going to i'm, you know, I'm going to be totally honest here and i'm going to i'm going to use chris's notes who was meant to be um with us tonight but he's um Feeling sweet under the weather. Hope you're feeling well, Chris. Um, he's he's put that you know it's it all comes from punch dribbling past the defender and shooting brackets. How often have we seen that this season? Uh, yeah, and it's a good point. We haven't really seen that much this season. And the finish from Wilf was sensational. I think we all agree there. Pardew has talked to him about remaining calm with his finishing, and was happy to see it. I definitely say that that Zaha shown amazing composure there to to hit that the way he has and get it on target and score. Um, Tony, you got any thoughts on that? I think it comes down to something which we've said in the past about Zaha. Zaha, if you don't give him any time to think about it, can score very good goals. As an instinctive finisher, he's good. It's when you give him a second or two to think where he needs to put it or what he needs to do with it, that's when he tends to do badly with his shots. But as, as a sort of a first-time strike, etc., and this is a good example, he didn't have any time to think about it. He just had to hit it. He hit it, it went in. And a lot of his goals come from that, where he just has to instinctively just hit it rather than thinking about what he does. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I'll, I'll, I'll keep seeing the, uh, the chance. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. 
we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Had against Chelsea at 1-0 that he, he he doesn't really doesn't really you know he beats the beats the the defender's hands down and has you know what you maybe aren't argue as a simple finish and he just completely fluffs it and then I think it was only a couple of minutes later that we were then 2-0 down against Chelsea. Um but yeah, I mean is that something we want to see more? We want to see more of that from Zaha. I mean, how do we? How does he go about that? Is it? Um, is he got? Is it a getting in the right position and a bit more? Has he got to take more gambles? And the, I remember last season, Balassi and Zaha were very vocal about you know they've got to try and get to the back to the, to the back stick more for each other when there's a ball coming in. Is that something that's been lacking the last few games, Terence? Yeah, I, Zaha. I think Tony Tony's made a good point there. It is instinctive these goals. Um, I, th- I was just running through my head, so sorry if I'm not quite answering your question because I was trying to work out Zaha's goals and how many of them have actually been where he's had time to think. And the only one I could think of was uh, in our League Cup run in 2011-12 season, where it was against a lower league team as well, and he kind of got in from a tight angle and slotted in at the near post. Other than that, everything's been instinctive. So, I also stumbled across a tweet of Zaha's the other day of, um, from a few years back of him saying he's been watching uh, videos of Dougie Friedman on tips on how to finish. So, um, I don't think he's been, he needs to maybe look back at them and watch again because, yeah, whenever he's got any time to think, he's, um, he's not great. So, that's something that you have to work on in the training field. Fair enough. Lucy, how did you rate Zaha on the whole yesterday? Uh... Well, as I said at the beginning, I thought he was left on his own uh, for the first 20 minutes, and then when they changed position, it was a bit more together. But I just thought he was brilliant. He, I love Wilf. Everybody loves Wilf because and his passion, like when he's like the pitch. Everybody's seen the pictures after the goal. Like he just loves it so much. And I, I think with Wilf, as we've discussed before, it's it's a confidence thing as well. He, he's got the abilities, he just needs to have a bit more faith in himself. We've all got it, Pards has obviously got it, the team have got it. He just needs to believe that he can do it. And yesterday, we saw a bit of that because he didn't even have to think about that goal. He just whacked it and it just went into the back of the net. And the, his delight on his face, that crazy salmon celebration thing that he did, it's like... it, it was. They call call that the dab. The what? Oh, no, I'm talking about when he got up. And he started doing that weird, like, that's a a dance that all the kids do these days. I I did want to come to that. The salmon thing. You you know, when he's, like, on his stomach and, you know, people have photoshopped it that he's sliding down. I was about to say about the photoshop. He absolutely, he gave gave them so much, uh, you know, (laughs) a lot of mileage in that celebration you can get out of photoshop, I think. My, my my favorite, sorry, Lucy. My favorite one was the one when um, <laughs> where who moved away from the sliding one and did it when he's like covering up Suarez's bum. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's very good. That's the dab one, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think the penguin one's good. Mm. The penguin one, yeah. Terence, talk to me about the dab. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, I, I don't know. Dad means something very different in England. Don't Google it. Um, but it's just like a dance where you kind of look like I don't know. You're sort of smelling that thing in between your where your elbow is, <laughs> and you kind your of elbow dance, kind of like no, like a superhero would pull up a cloak and sort of cover their face. I, I mean, know. a bad guy. Yeah, exactly. It's just like um, I don't Dracula. Know, sort of, do you know what? There's a video as well, and it's just the the video of this guy saying, because I had to look this up after Zaha did it to like understand what was going on. And <laughs> I had guy, to understand. The guy, the guy has, who invented the dab dance, right? but leading up to that point in the video, he's like showing the guy he's Louis Vuitton trainers, and then he's like got a, you know five thousand pounds worth of hundred dollar bills in his hand, and he's just like splashing them down onto his shoes. And then he starts doing this ridiculous dance. I, I, I don't understand it. I, I, I think it's another sign that I'm getting old. I, I can do some dad dancing if anybody <laughs> needs to uh, need some tips on that. Um, it's not can Louis I, Vuitton shoes. It's you know, a pair of sort of moccasin slippers these days. But, um, can I go slightly off topic, Albert? Go. <laughs> what, what, even more than the dab? <laughs> yeah, even more than the dab. You wow. know you were speaking Hold about on the... tight, everyone. You know you were speaking about um, the way that you spoke... <laughs> You, you described it as sniffing the inside of the elbow like a cloak to a bad guy, like vampire type thing. Yeah. Has anyone noticed the adverts at Sellers uh, for Mansion, which has Jedinak at the front pulling up his captain's armband? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it yeah, looks like yeah, we, the, yeah, the guys yeah. around me in the stand always say it's like like the Count from Sesame Street, like Count Jedinak, because his eyebrows look really sinister. I don't know if anyone else has noticed that. Get in touch if you have. But I, it, it, it makes me giggle every single time. And we talk about how many goals he's going to score. And is it going to be one goal or two goals? And it's, it's, it, <laughs> it's, actually, it's actually no goals. No goals. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know um, whose impression was better. It's like the trip with Coogan and Bryden. <laughs> who does a better count von count? You guys. Uh, I just want to bring it up. How did we not win that award? <laughs> to, bed, to, be, to bed for we leave at 10. <laughs> going on 10 30 yeah time's <laughs> i've been meaning anyway. to bring that up for weeks i've just been wondering if anyone else has noticed it as well because it makes me giggle every time that advert comes up i'm so lost now that i'm just gonna have to again i'm just gonna completely pilfer chris hambling's free notes that he's given me um yeah we're, <laughs> we're talking we're two, about celebrations we're two one up at this point That's, this is good times um it then seemed that later on in the game we had to sort of weather weather the storm and southampton almost did enough to get back into the game um, do we think that if, if Wayne Hennessy wasn't there, and I don't mean if we didn't have a goalkeeper, I mean if we had a different <laughs> goalkeeper, do we think the result would have been different? Terence? Uh, probably, yes. Uh, Hennessy is, uh, although a couple of slight errors crept into his game yesterday, he's, he's, he's in top, top form at the moment. Glass heart empty again. No, come on. That, that, <laughs> that one from at the back post when the header was going wide anyway and then he attempted to like dive, save it and he dropped it and Dan cleared it. He could have just let that one go wide, but that's only a slight error. Um, if, if that was McCarthy, I'd have been all over him. But that, um, he, he pulled off some fantastic saves twice, two of them as well very much stuff that he struggled with in the past in terms of being a big guy and struggling to get down low. He did that twice very well against um, Long and uh, Jalumni? Jilumni? Jilumni? What's his 
I was gonna, I was gonna pull you up on that. Actually, in the actual, in the actual, I was gonna. I was going to pull you up on that, Terence, actually, because uh, the commentators actually mentioned the fact that he was very good at getting down for a tall guy. And all I kept thinking is, I wonder if Terence has noticed this. <laughs> he, he, it's easy for him to say that when he's seen him once and he's done it twice. <laughs> wow. yeah, very true. But he, he also called Shane Long Shane Warne at one point. So I don't, I'm not agreeing with I saw anything that. he says. I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> Lucy, is there any, uh, any feedback on Hennessy's performance in the chat room? Uh, Coach Matt says Hennessy was amazing and sadly I don't think Jules would have saved those low balls into the bottom corner mm. I, I, oh I, I think um, I think Sproni might have saved those um, I think he would have more struggled with um, a couple of the other ones that free kick one I don't think he would have, Sproni would have saved because um, Sproni struggled a few times with free, low free kicks over the walls I don't know uh, God, I sound like such a geek. Zamama scoring against us for Middlesbrough in the promotion season. Um, there's a few times like that where he struggles if the ball's towards the post. So, um, yeah, but as I say, Hennessy's just at the top of his game at the moment and showing why he's done so well for Wales on the international stage as well. Yeah. Fair enough. And so, yeah, I mean, we, we managed to scrape out the 2-1 win and believe it or not, we're in the next round of the cup. I think that's how Woo-hoo! the uh, competition works. Um Pardew sort of summed up by saying, we're looking for a home draw. We don't really care who. With the fans we've got, it's going to be tough for anyone. Now, there was a lot of talk about how good the atmosphere was yesterday, certainly amongst the Palace fans. Obviously, Terence and Lucy, you were there. I'm assuming you guys played a huge part in that. Of course was, we did. Was it especially, was it, was it any different to any other game? Is it just there's more light on it because it's the FA Cup and it's you know, magic and all that nonsense? Um, yeah, was there a particularly good um, vocal support? Yes, there was. I think... I think because there was a larger uh, crowd than normal, because normally you get sort of like three, three and a half, but there was sort of an extra thousand and a half on top of that, so there was obviously more of us. How much was um, a ticket? Can I just interject very quickly? Uh, it was £20 for an adult, and then um, I think what? it was like... You're on drugs, it was £12. Uh, £12, pounds, sorry, £12, <laughs> and then it was like seven fifty for um, student concession type thing, so um, they were really right. reasonable. Yeah, so everyone can get more boozy. So instead of paying 50 quid for a ticket and then 30 quid for the train, you could pay £12 for a ticket and have loads of booze money left. So everyone was drunk. Yep. <laughs> well, I wasn't because I drove, but... <laughs> and what's, what's great about Southampton, they've got one of those grounds that bounces. So if you bounce up and down, it will the stadium will feel like it's moving underneath you. Um, then there was a couple of smoke bombs thrown into the mix as well. Uh, smoke flash- bombs or flares? It said flares no, on the radio. Flat- Smoke bomb. It's not a flare. Uh, Crystal Palace have not let off, uh, Crystal Palace fans have not let off a flare since the West Brom game in 2009-2010, the one before Hillsborough. When Neil Downs got sent off for where, exactly for, right for throwing that, a headbutt. Yeah, that was the last time that we set off a flare at a game. Flares are dangerous and stupid things to carry around so many people, um, especially if like that person at that West Brom game, you throw it into a crowd of people. It's very good to throw a flame that is burning at a thousand degrees. But no, this was a smoke bomb. Uh, you get people, you know, start, they, people have complained about them in the past. I, I, I quite like them, but that's that's not something I'm going to debate here. And um, the only the only downside, yes, here, well, there was one point where there were Palace fans fighting each other. But, but yeah. um, hmm, which is, it you, was it you and Lucy? It, it, was, it was not Lucy and I, no. I, I, I would pick my fights carefully and Lucy could have me, so I wouldn't get <laughs> near that. Um, no, um, I don't know what happened. 
I'm surprised it doesn't happen more often at football. People get very, very drunk and emotions run high. So it was just a couple of, a couple of lads had a little bit of a punch up and that was the end of it. Do you think it was an asthmatic taking issue with the smoke bomb? Yeah, that, well, that was the, the asthmatic thing was the big that was the big argument uh, when the one went off at Anfield um, because it went off around people with as, who were asthmatic and so on. And obviously that's not ideal. Uh, but I don't know. That's that's not a debate for, that I want to get involved in now. Too late, buddy. No, uh, no. Moving on. Moving on. So let's talk. Let's talk about the next round. No, no, do you know what? Let's talk about man of the match. Who was your man of the match? Tony. Having not seen the game, it's tricky. It but... is. I can. I can. I can echo that. <laughs> But uh, the two people that certainly the commentary, um, the highlights, and from what everyone else has said, have highlighted, it's going to be between Hennessy, Zaha, and Punch. And I'll probably give it to Hennessy based on what I saw, because I think without Hennessy, we wouldn't have won that match. Terence, your turn. Uh, man of the match was Jason Punchin for me. Um, I thought he did very, very, very well at not just driving us forward, but being very tenacious and getting stuck in into challenges. Uh, a lot of times he caught um, Southampton in possession and pulled away and got us under, um, got us into down the other end of the field, basically, from being under pressure. And that's exactly what we need. We need to break teams up and get ourselves into situations where it's more like three on three and we can exploit our pace that we have. Um, he shot a couple of times. Um, you know, he got technically two assists for the game, and we all it was, we've talked about it enough already tonight. It was a, it's January. Jason Punchins here. He'll score six goals between now and May, and everyone will forget why we were all slagging him off a couple of weeks ago. Fair <laughs> enough, Lucy. Have you got any thoughts on man of the match? Um, I wrote uh, a set of initials down, um, and they were. Wayne Hennessy's, Jason Punchins, and Wilfred Zaha's. So the same as everybody else. Um, and I think just purely because of the end of the game, it, would, it slightly veers to more um, Hennessy. Because I think if he hadn't made those awesome saves, we obviously would have lost. Um, but I do think um, we're starting to see Jason and come out of himself again and, and Wilf's getting the confidence up so who knows if they can keep continue to do that you know next pod might be uh, Jason Punchin for Man of Match but for this week it's definitely Wayne Hennessy is the right answer uh, our, we did a Twitter poll for Man of the Match and Wayne Hennessy has come out on top with 45% Zaha following up with 23% and then Jason Punchin edging just slightly over Zaha 29% 3% of people chose other so that could have been anyone. Um, no one springs to mind. So, uh, that means, so that means nearly half of our listeners were wrong. Bloody hell. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only joking. I, 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 I'm, I'm amazed, actually. I, I really thought it was um, quite comfortable, Jason Punchin, but there you go. Fair enough. We like opinions, certainly we different do. ones. Yes. Um, let's get another opinion. Next round of the cup. Who do we want? Any, anybody got any strong feelings either way for who we'd like, who we yes. wouldn't like? Go on, Lucy. I don't want a Premier League club, okay. but if we if we do get Brighton, one, maybe. Oh no, they're not in it. They're out. No, uh, what about Charlton? Charlton. No. <laughs> oh no, wait, no, they're not. Oh, they're oh, no. Oh, oh. Um, no, I don't want a Premier League club. But if we do get one, I want to have them at home. 
Um, but my preference would be Northampton or MK Dons <laughs> away. <laughs> I wonder why that might be. <laughs> just thinking about the mileage, people. Um, don't don't fancy Eastleigh. Oh God, no. Tony, any 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 ge- geographical preference? Geographical preferences. Well, any preference, whatever, man. Well, if I was going geographical, any non-Premier League team in London, happy days. Um, other than that, I'm not too fast. Terence, say something interesting. Right. <laughs> something interesting <laughs> I would have I, every season I say it in the third round I want Carlisle away but obviously they're flooded at the moment and they are they playing at Preston's ground so nobody ever wants to go to Preston ever if you're a Palace fan um, it's my most hated place going because we always just get duffed up there so and I want Carlisle I'll take Northampton on Milton Keynes Dons those would be two new grounds for me but, uh, you know, the bank balance is a bit tight at the moment. So um, having to save up for European football next season. So anyone at home. Anyone okay. at home. Well, I'm just, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to go through the options. So it's Watford, West Brom or Bristol, West Ham United, Derby County. Let me know if you're getting bored. Exeter City or Liverpool. Yeah, yeah we're bored. Yeah? Okay, fine. Yeah. So um, <laughs> but you've got um, the min- a minimum of five Premier League teams are out already. So, yeah, I, I, it's only sort of occurred to me yesterday. There was a lot of there was a lot of all Premier League ties. Yeah, or, there was four, yeah four of those, and then Swansea obviously went out, um, and obviously Villa will lose to Wickham in the replay. So, <laughs> so that would be them out. Although it, ideally we want Villa to get through, so we can just have them at Sellers and get an easy run through. And obviously Tottenham, Tottenham and Leicester have got to, got to play against. So one of them's going to go. I mean, I think that's how it works. It is um, gutting how many other Premier League teams could have gone out. I mean, if you think Bournemouth were close to going out, West Brom were close to going out, United Liverpool, like Liverpool were close to going out. Yeah. yeah. Lucy, um, listeners, anybody got any uh, interesting preferences for our next opponents? Yes, uh, in the chat room, Coach Matt has said Colchester. Booted Eagle has said it will be the arse and they will be supplying the ref. Oh, um, he's oh, also good. said Bristol City away as I'll be able to go and Pulis will have been dumped out. And then we put a tweet and Facebook post out early this morning and a few people have come back to us and said, uh, Glenn Fossey has said if they make it through their replay, Northampton away. Um, Patrick Excuse me for pronunciation, but Patrick Doyle Blazefisius says Leeds away, scary place to go, back to 76. Um, then you've got. Are they all related thoughts? Are they. <laughs> <laughs> no, we played Leeds in the 1976 FA Cup run. Come oh, on. fair enough. I in, in, the, in the fourth round, yeah, come on. Come on. Um, and then We're you've be, got. Be a 1 0. Know your palace history. Oh, God, it better have been 1-0. I better not be wrong. <laughs> Please, someone, get in touch with the show and tell us <laughs> it was a different result. Even if you're making it up, he won't check it till after. It'll be great radio. Uh, sorry, Lucy, carry on. More feedback. Lucy? Hello? Any oh, more? Any more from there. listeners? Oh, sorry, yes. I didn't hear anything then. Yes, you've got Laura Easton has said, I fancy going to MK Don's. Ian Noble has said, new ground or a home tie against lower league opposition, don't mind either. Ian Griffiths has gone for Chelsea home. And the final one, Charlie Blight has said, Liverpool at home. Fair enough. T- do Tony. Want, do you want to read that out from the chat first there, um, Albert? What does that say? I, 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 that message doesn't come through, to be honest. <laughs> I think I'm a bit behind. 
Crystal Palace won Leeds now. There you go. Happy <laughs> Listen, day. I'm ha- always happy to defer to your superior knowledge, Terence. <laughs> right, no. I've got, I've got one for you then. I, am I, am I right in saying that the next round of the FA Cup is still going to be played on a Saturday? Yes. Then I would like, can, yeah. I would like to have Bournemouth away so that I can finally get that away day at Bournemouth because Boxing Day was the worst day that you could have for a Bournemouth away match. I mean, ideally you want August or May, but you know you still get a decent night out. Yeah, FA Cups always on Saturdays. Um, interestingly, um, for those people who read my website would already know this in the back. What's of the, the website, Terence? Redandbluearmy.co.uk. On on the on the article a couple of days ago in the back in the day article on the 9th of January um, I didn't know this until I wrote it in uh, 1946 the the war obviously ended in 45 but there was no full football league season it was still um, the war leagues that they were playing up until 46 so that, but the FA Cup run is normal and um, to try and get the impoverished clubs some more money into their coffers because they were all so poor at that point. It wasn't like it is now by any means. Uh, the FA Cup up to the semi-final was two legs for the only time in its history. And um, we drew nil-nil twice with QPR and it <laughs> still required a replay that we lost. I hate replays. They should just go to penalties. Yeah. Well, no, they, no, come on. Clubs, if, it's, it's easy to say that now we're Premier League club, but if we were down in League One or the Championship or the, even the Championship or League Two or a non-league side, look, look at, for example, um, uh, Exeter going to Liverpool is going to make them a million quid. You don't get that sort of money down there, so it's huge for them. Yeah, Sorry, but what if, Exeter beat, what if Exeter had beaten Liverpool on penalties and then had Man United away in the next round? It would have been uh, even more money. Yeah, true, but they. What's better for them is they get the draw, they beat Liverpool at Anfield, and then get United. <laughs> <laughs> all I can say is, all I say is that I, I, my biggest hate of replays is is still the FA Cup final against Man United because if we'd had yeah. penalties, I think we would have beaten them. Yeah. Mm. Fair enough. Well, well um, case, that is the case now, anyway. In the final, no, no replays in the final anymore. I mean, when was that ever a good idea? I just can't ever that that was kind of been ever a good idea. I mean, I wasn't. It was just as I was getting into Palace as a five-year-old boy, um, but I just can't imagine a, re- a final going to a replay. I think it's crazy. Well, you know um, what they did before replays, right? They Tell decide, us. They decided matches on the toss of a coin. Oh, I had that once at college because the uh, the referee had to shoot off. He didn't have time for <laughs> time or penalties. So we just tossed the coin. Imagine a final being decided on a, to- a coin toss. Yeah, I, 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 sure. I, can't, I can't pretend it was anything as glamorous as a final. <laughs> um, anyway, we've obviously put out the, as usual, we've put out a request for your four reviews. So, without further ado, let's see what you guys had to say. Homesdale Radio, Football Blogging Award Finalist 2015. Forward reviews. Bobby White, Saints go marching out. Tasha Pike, Cumin must hate us. Rob. I'm so erect. Alfonso <laughs> Greenbrook. Thank God for Hennessy. Simply Will. Fox sucks monkey balls. I think that's a different show. <laughs> <laughs> ben Fleury. FA Cup winners, possibly. John Burr. Will Smiles. Saints Misery. Waggers 66. Pompey Boy. Sink Saints. Ian Lyons. Will a striker score? Q Jazz. Brighton, Millwall, Charlton, gone. 
Right. So Sonjon Rashtonov. In Zaha, we trust. Building more in the league. Review the game next week by tweeting hashtag forward review to add whole radio. Building. Building. <laughs> Building. Utas. There's loads. Utas. <laughs> Tasha, <laughs> Tasha Pike. Oh, that's probably actually her name. Sorry, Tasha. <laughs> The all-time Palace 25-man squad. Tweet us your suggestions and we'll choose in or bin. Well, there you go. There were your four reviews. I got really confused then because I heard my own voice coming back and then realised that we were just talking about it after in a bit of a ad-lib thing. So it's all the rage now. Um, so, yeah, thanks for those. We'll, we'll be asking for those again probably after the Villa game on Tuesday after we spank them about 6 or 7 nil. Who knows? Um, so... It's that time in the show when we talk about our ultimate 25-man squad that we've been putting together week by week throughout the past season. Um, to run you through it very quickly, the goalkeepers are Nigel Martin and John Jackson. Defenders are currently Scott Dan, Kenny Sampson, Eric Young, Nathaniel Klein. Midfield of Wilf Saha, Peter Taylor, Jeff Thomas. Forwards are Ian Wright, Andy Johnson, Mark Bright and Dougie Freeman, which is I'm pretty hey. happy with that lineup. And the only people we've been so far have been Michael Rogers. Uh, Michael Rogers, what I've done is there. <laughs> what I've done Rogers is there. Hughes. Yeah, Mike. Yeah, exactly. Those. No wonder they didn't get binned. They never played for Palace. Uh, Michael <laughs> Hughes and Simon Rogers. Isn't Simon Simon Hughes? Isn't he a Palace fan comedian? Is that his name? Sean Hughes. Sean Hughes. Sorry. Sean Hughes didn't come on the show. Apparently, controversially, one time. Apparently. He's just in front of my dad. Where? In the main stand. Oh, I thought you just meant like anywhere no. he went. <laughs> That'd be weird. <laughs> Anyway, uh, I've forgotten who we're doing this week. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to talk about Don Rogers, which should be interesting because none of us ever saw him. Um, but he's, he's someone we've had on the show. He, was, uh, you know, he, he played a massive part in our um, huge victory over United. I believe it was 5-0. Terence is going to corroborate that. Yes. Pow. Okay, so Don Rogers, I'll give you the quick lowdown. Played for Palace between 1972 and 1974. Um, 70 appearances and 28 goals. That's, I mean, that's a pretty fantastic ratio. Uh, then went on to play for Queen's Park Rangers and Swindon Town, who have got a stand named after Don Rogers, but he only played for them 12 times. So not being a Swindon fan, I don't know if they've had like just a multitude of <laughs> shite players that people that have only played 12 games and scored two goals get a stand named after them. Um, but obviously we're really interested in what he did in a, in a, in a Palace shirt. Um, Terence, you're our resident historian, and as you always say, know your palace history. So here is another chance for you to prove you know your palace history. Talk to me about Don Rogers. Well, obviously he's got the um, the five nil against Man United when he was just brilliant. He scored um, two goals in that game as well as got a couple of assists in that one. Um, in he also was it, I think it was 1972 one goal of the season with um that's Nazi. now you are questioning me I've, I've set myself up for a fall here if i remember rightly it was uh, he scored against stoke someone tell me i'm wrong now um brilliant Please. goal breakaway how uh, you know just a typical typical of don rogers um his ability to drop a shoulder and beat a man displays pace which just looked rapid and 
watching all those old videos, what makes it even more impressive is, again, is just being able to do it on those bog of pitches, you know, they're just horrendous. <laughs> um, although saying that we used to see it when we used to ground share with Wimbledon, I guess, would, which would fall more into our sort of eras. The pitches were pretty bad then. But um, yeah, he was just a, a brilliant, brilliant winger. And um, I don't even think there'd be a question of whether it was an in or bin if, you know, he was here for another 100 appearances because his goal scoring record would have then spoke for itself. But as it stands at the moment, it's only a 30 goal history. Um, so I don't know, it's making it a bit more of a tough one to look from someone who never actually saw him play and got to have that excitement of him playing live. We're just basically going on the few videos that we have and looking at stats and maybe they don't stack up as well against some of the other wingers that you might be up against. But I don't know, I'll have a little think as everyone else talks. Who wants to go next, Lucy or Tony? <laughs> Wait, yeah, before we... <laughs> I thought it was a bit weird that Don Rogers only played 12 times a Swindon. <laughs> Listen, I'm just on Wikipedia, yeah? He played 400 <laughs> times in his first spell at Swindon. Over yeah, I'm, yeah well, that, does that count? Really? I think, <clears throat> I think that's enough to get a stand. <laughs> Do you know what? I'd scrolled down just a little bit too far and put <laughs> Crystal Palace at the top of the page because this is a Crystal Palace podcast after all. Now I've scrolled up, I've seen he scored 147 goals in 400 appearances, which I might add is a bit weird because we signed him for £147,000. But 140, 147 goals for a winger is pretty impressive. It is indeed. Um, Tony, I know, yes. I, I know for a fact you know loads about him. Oh, no, no, I don't, unfortunately. It's beyond my, beyond my time. Uh, I think the difficulty is that having not seen him play, but I know a lot of people speak very, very highly of him. I mean, we've got two winger positions left in the ultimate team and... Certainly, I can think of players like Salako and Balassi, who I have seen. But then, you know, are they of the same calibre? Because the way that some some of the um, older fans speak about him, you know, he he would it, it would be a mistake from what they're saying to not have him in the squad. So it's a difficult one when you haven't seen the guy play. Lucy, talk to me. Um, well, like like the other guys, I I didn't really know much about him. I'd never seen him. He was there sort of eleven years before I was even born. Um, had a chat with my dad about it and reading the listeners' opinions as well. You've got Nicholas John Gillard Esquire. He said, the Don. That's all he said. Uh, Ian Hamilton said, I don't know, some some guy. Sounds um, posh. Ian Hamilton said, definitely in one of the best I've ever seen at Selhurst. Petra Golkana said, saw him play, first Palace hero. Who is changing that? <laughs> First Palace hero, some some significant moments in a Palace short Palace spell. Are oh, you stop changing everything? A quality player. Right. Um, Dweeb has said one of the best players ever to grace the pitch at Sellers Park or anywhere else for that matter. Uh, David Bray just wish he had come in as earliest in his career destroyed Arsenal in the league final with a major shock Swindon beating them 3-1 scored goal of the season against Stoke a great great player boom Stoke um, you'd already read that <laughs> um, so I was thinking about what my opinion was and I was doing some research and my dad said that he was a fantastic ball player that he would choose him over Yannick in 
if you were if he was available today, you would choose him over Yannick because he scored goals. Um, and I was reading an article on Homesdale.net about him um, by Steve Gillum, and there was a quote on there which said, "Sure, he could infuriate and frustrate, and for a player blessed with gifts such as his, he sometimes seemed curiously unsure of his own great ability." And I just thought that sort of described most of our team currently <laughs> as well. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it sounds like he was a pretty impressive player considering he was only there for a couple of years with us. And a great moustache. Yes, that too. Yeah, and wore some of my favourite Palace kits in our history. Yeah, yeah. You can buy, you, which you can buy now in the club shop. <laughs> there you go. Um yeah, it's a tough one. I mean, we've had this. I mean, I've been on shows before where we've had the the old, you know, the really old players who are names that you know and and you know they're 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 amazing and you know they're part of the history and they've got their picture up around the ground and this that and the other and Swindon have named stands after them, you know, because he played fucking loads of times for them and stuff. Um, <laughs> but it's always hard. I mean, there's you know some. Someone just mentioned Yannick. I mean, I'm not necessarily saying I would put Yannick in over a legend like Don Rogers, but there are there are players that you have, you know, you did watch week in, week out, and that did, you know, really like make an impression on your sort of Palace going experience. That you sort of feel personally, I feel bad if I don't put them in, but you've got to put them in at the expense of a legend. So I'm 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 a bit mixed. Um, it seems to be, you know, the listeners. He's getting a lot, of, getting a lot of love from the listeners. Certainly, people that saw him. So that that obviously has to count for a lot because those listeners have seen Don Rogers and they've also seen the, the more recent players that we're sort of referring to. Um, so, Tony, I'm going to come to you first. Oh, is it an in or a bin? I'm going to bow to listener pressure. Um, as I said, I think there's there's one other winger that. I have seen that I definitely think should be in there. And I think that a lot of people would probably agree. Um, Yannick, we'll wait and see, you know, if this was in 10 years time, you know, it might be, we might be able to compare because Yannick's not, not finished with us yet. So I'm going to bow to what the listeners say and say, I'll, I'll in him. Okay. Um, Lucy, or I'm going to, I'm sensing it's more Lucy's dad. You can go in or bin. <laughs> uh, because of my dad and Patrick and Nick, um, in. Okay, that's two wins thus far. Uh, Terence? Um, I just pulled up the video of his goal of the season against Stoke, and it's it's incredible. <laughs> he just, <laughs> yeah, he, he, it is. He, he's, uh, and I, I've always looking back at videos. I loved um, Whittle as well. He, Puts him wide, puts him throughout wide, but he beats two players, sells the goalkeeper down to the ground, dinks it over him on a again, like I say, on a pitch that looks like a bog. Um, I wonder if uh, the likes of Zaha and Balassi would be able to do it on them sort of pitches, which probably says to me he might have had a little bit more about him in terms of being a more all-rounded player. So I will say in. Sweet, I'm gonna I'm gonna do the same, and I'm gonna say in because my dad speaks very highly of him, and listener pressure counts counts a lot. I mean, <laughs> I agree. Um, Mikey has, has said that add, adding those ins to the listener ins, it is an in. Um, so he and he's, he's put not far off 100% in, which isn't much of a stat to be honest. It's just <laughs> it's, you know. Uh, so there it is, Don Rogers 
is um, oh hang on a minute Let's, Lucy said my dad has compared him to Keegan and Azard um, I'm not sure Azard is much to go by to be honest however I think, I think on, it was just probably because of his like because he wasn't a very tall guy I don't think um, but he had like speed and what have you I think so he was trying to compare it to um, today and other people <laughs> Mikey, this is, it almost feels like it's a good place that we could drop in a clip of our Don Rogers interview we did a couple of years ago. Have we got that? No, of course we haven't. Um, <laughs> so there it is. Don Rogers is in. So our producer's questioning, did we interview Don Rogers a few seasons ago? I can confirm that we did. That's how revered he is on this show. Uh, <laughs> but to make up for it, he's made it into our Ultimate 25. And we might even name a stand after him. Who knows? Um, so there he is. That's he's taken the penultimate winger position uh, in our Alma Twenty Five midfield. Um, we've got a few centre midfield spots left. Um, next week, what position are we doing, um, Mikey? Oh, centre mid- central midfielder. Central mid. So get in touch with your uh, nomination centre midfielder. Currently, the competition, the standard for the midfield is Wilf Sahar, Peter Taylor, Jeff Thomas, and Don Rogers. Um, if somebody doesn't say Alisani and die, I'm not going to be on the fucking show. Um, <laughs> so there we go. Um, so looking forward very briefly to the game against Aston Villa on Tuesday, as, what do we want to see? Do we want to see the same team? Do we think we can afford to bring in a few fringe players? Uh, do we just need to play it as a, any other game and put our strongest 11 out? Terence. Um, I would like to see if fit Wickham to come in to replace Campbell. And I would also like to see Jordan Much replaced by Sacco. Um, a Sacco Potatoes. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sacco you as presenter, I think. Um, oh, that's not very nice. <laughs> How rude. I know. It was, that was scathing. It was very bitchy. Um, we've got to be looking to thump them, I think. Lucy? Um, well, first of all, I want to say I think you've done a great job in the circumstances, Albert. So. And that's why you are my favourite person on this show Obviously. today. <laughs> um, but as for Villa, oh, I've got a horrible feeling we're going to lose. Oh! <laughs> uh, typical Palace fan. Uh, Scratch that favourite comment. <laughs> no, the thing is, I agree. Um, <laughs> um, but I want to see Wickham in like Terence, uh, Sacco in like Terence has said, and just go all out attack. Tony? Uh, I don't think there's a lot too much. I mean, I, I think I agree. Sacco's got to come on the wing. Um, I would put MacArthur back in if he's fit. Um, oh, of course, yeah. Good, good and, I'd, and I'd put Wickham up front. I think that's potentially, barring the fact we haven't got Yannick, is, is our strongest lineup. I think you've got to go for it. You know, we've had an unfortunate loss against Chelsea, two draws, you know, previous to that. And uh, we've we've started to lose pace a little bit. Um, we need we need to start getting back to winning ways in the Premier League. And, you know, we are very good away from home. So I think, you know, the team that we've all discussed should go out there. We should hopefully destroy them and go back onto a, a winning run again and climb the league. Pro- Producer Mikey has thrown a, a cat amongst the pigeons <laughs> by pointing out that Mark Clattenburg is referee mm-hmm. on Tuesday, so we can all expect. I think Lucy's hit the nail on the head. We probably will lose, and probably the most unjust. But, but Clattenburg's going to bang one in and, and allow it. Or something. <laughs> it's not on TV, though. 
it isn't on TV. Well, but he, he doesn't it, care. He knows there's someone watching somewhere in the world. Plattenberg is going to allow an assault on a Crystal Palace player, as he likes to do every now and then. And um, he won't give a red card. And then that person who committed the assault will probably score the winner. Look, in, our, in my years <laughs> of watching Crystal Palace... I've always thought that, you know, whenever I hear, oh, what, this team hasn't won in 15 games? Yeah, go on, come on, we'll, we'll, we'll sort your run out for you. And and there was nothing more consolidated that once I had, um, it was a Tuesday night at Sellers, 7.45 kickoffs everywhere else, and Palace was an 8 o'clock kickoff, and I had a £1 bet on a 14-fold, and it would have won me £4,500. And all my other 13 had come in, which is obviously so rare, it's ridiculous. And the only one I was waiting for was Palace at home to Ipswich. I was at the game. We were losing 1-0. We hadn't lost at home all season. Ipswich hadn't won away for over a year, and we lost 1-0 to Ipswich. So we're good at ending people's bad runs. This is another thing that under our new team, under our new regime, with Pardew in charge, it's something that's going to change, fingers crossed and we will start to get those things out of our system. Fair play. Lucy, any, uh, any listeners got any, any feelings towards the lineup for Tuesday? Uh, Booted Eagle has just said, similar to what we've been saying, strongest team choose, J-Mac and Wickham back if fit. Sweet. So. Um, has anybody else got anything they want to bring to the table? I mean, in life, is anybody, everybody okay? It's January, everyone's a bit depressed, the weather's awful. Christmas Just blues. Who, anyone doing dry January? No. no. Tony. Uh, sort of. I've only I've only had two drinks since the turn so of you're the not, year. So you're so not, not doing dry it. January. <laughs> uh, but, uh, one of those was a Guinness, so I don't think that really counts. That's food. So um, <laughs> uh, no, no dry January for us. We're hardcore. Yeah, and I'm, I'm going to go and pour myself another fat gin and tonic. Um, listen guys uh, I think we're going to wrap it up there um, I want to say thank you to uh, the people with me here tonight that includes you guys at home but more importantly Lucy aka the favourite yes yeah Terence aka the bitch <laughs> <laughs> thank you Albert good night <laughs> good night and Tony um, the guy that does the best Count Von Count yelling accusation <laughs> in on the whole internet one, ah, uh, ah, uh, ah. Uh. Van Gogh, ah, uh, ah, uh, ah. Uh. We can't top that. Good night, everybody. Thanks very much. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mate's already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. 
Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.